So welcome everybody to the uh, latest episode of Making Risk Flow. This is a podcast that reveals everything you need to know about digitizing risk in commercial insurance. I am Juan de Castro, and in each episode, we will walk you through how to make it work in your organization. Uh, today, I'm, I'm with Sylvie Wompa from uh, Swiss Re. It's a real pleasure to have you join me today. Should we start with a brief introduction of yourself? Absolutely, Juan, and many thanks for having me. So, indeed, I'm Sylvie Wompa. I have been with Swiss Re for two and a half years now, where I in essence, run what you could call group underwriting, um, which in essence means um, being responsible for the capital that we allocate to our underwriting and deciding on how much money goes into each bucket. Um, before that, I've spent many years in insurance in the industry, uh, almost 20 years, which makes you wonder how old you actually are. Um, but I've tried to take a broad lens on the industry. I've done sales, I've done underwriting, I've done claims, I've done strategy, um, and tried to be a little bit across the globe. So an international perspective, I would hope, at this point in time. That is fantastic. Thanks. And actually, yeah, we met when we were both back at Hiscox. Exactly. Years ago. And it's 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 really nice to reconnect um, again. So actually, the reason I thought it would be a really interesting episode to have this chat with you is because I was listening to a presentation you did for InsureTech Insights a few weeks ago um, that aligned really well with the concept of making risk flow, the concept of um, how the role of underwriting is evolving um, supported through technology. I mean, it would be great if you start with a brief introduction to to how you see that role of underwriting evolving, um, and then we'll deep dive into different areas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, uh, indeed, I did speak about meeting tomorrow's underwriter at InsureTech Insights, and uh, I guess I was asked to talk about that because I take a very strong interest in how technology and data is changing the insurance industry and in particular how it's changing the underwriting work that gets done out there. And, and I guess in essence what I said was that, look, you, you don't really need a crystal ball to take a look at what tomorrow's underwriter looks like. Um, a lot of people find it very difficult to have a view, but I often say, let's look at a close cousin of insurance. So let's look at investment management or sometimes even banking because they're pretty close by, not entirely comparable, but comparable enough for us to be able to say something. So I, you know, when I when I think about tomorrow's underwriter, I think in terms of four main areas, and I'm sure there are many more, but we only have so long, so I'll stick to them. And, and the first one I've called like having a new perspective on, on the job of underwriting. And, and I'll come back to, to what I mean by that. But it's really a perspective on risk. 
Um, the second I've called new skills. So what are the skills that you need and maybe also the mindset that you need as, as an underwriter of tomorrow? The third one uh, goes very specifically to the angle of data. So I've called it kind of new ways of dealing with information as, as an underwriter. And, and lastly, and perhaps sort of with a with a hopeful twist is, is you know, is there a new sense of purpose um, for for the job as an underwriter? This is great. And actually, you mentioned looking at other industries uh, to inform or give us some kind of indication of how different industries evolve. And I, in, in the first episode of this podcast, actually, I did sim something similar, actually going all the way to how manufacturing has mm. and I think it, it's actually really helpful as you said it doesn't it doesn't always give you the full answer but at least gives you a good perspective of in what direction or what kind of where are the major challenges going to come from so I'm really really interested to hear a bit more about about your views on these four areas so should we start with the first one you mentioned new mm -hmm. perspective on risk and and kind of what are your thoughts on that Absolutely. So, so I guess I have three topics I'd like to touch on there. So, so the first one is kind of moving from this art that I think underwriting has been considered for a long time to more of a science, if you will. And I guess what I mean by that is moving from something that is judgment-based to a very large extent to something that is much more data-based and, and founded on data. Um, a second angle that I see is kind of this moving from a risk-picking type of stance, you know, individual risk selection, to having more of a portfolio management view of underwriting. And Again, if we kind of make that parallel to investment management, I mean, in remember in the 1980s, you know, when people would call their stockbroker for individual stock tips. Um, I don't know anyone who does that anymore. Today, you kind of invest into exchange traded funds. Um, and, and that's really sort of the, the comparison that I think will be happening in an underwriting too. Um, the last angle that I've thought a lot about is, you know, moving from a, a view of risks as being disconnected. It's kind of saying, OK, I underwrite this risk and then I underwrite the next one and the third one, but never the three shall meet to, I think, a future where underwriters will be better at understanding the accumulation that is or could be inherent uh, in, in those risks that they underwrite one by one and becoming just a lot better at kind of seeing their book as a whole, which again relates back to that portfolio management angle. So that's sort of the, the new perspective. And again, there are thousands of more things you can say, but I'm skimming the, the tip of the iceberg here. One question on that, because the that portfolio view and connecting risks together is probably uh, music to their ears to most chief underwriting officers. That, that is the way they want to look at their portfolios and the way when they want to select uh, risks. But I guess the challenge is how should individual underwriters change their day-to-day? -day? Because risks come one by one from brokers typically, right? It's like what needs to happen for that vision of looking at it as a portfolio to, to become a reality? 
I think there are many things, but I would say the two that are at top of my mind is one, having the infrastructure present that allows you a view of your portfolio, because that in itself is a challenge today to actually get as correct as possible view of your book. Today, it's often a a piecemeal exercise of chasing data and trying to reconcile it and to get it together into one place. And I think having that is, is a cornerstone of being able to take that bigger picture. Secondly, it's a question of mindset and, and also leadership from the top. Um, you know, if, if, if your highest leadership is interested in portfolio management, it's their job to ask the right questions. And if you ask the right questions, usually there is also an incentive for people further down or the individual underwriter to care. Um, so, so it's as much a cultural question and an incentive question as it is about having the, the data available. You might think this is quite conceptual, but actually I was talking to one of our clients a few weeks ago and and this challenge becomes a reality in in opportunities such as um, negotiating a book transfer with a broker right where in the negotiation typically you're looking at the book as a as a portfolio exactly in terms you were describing and quite typically insurers would close that type of deal and then when individual risks are coming through they are treated as individual risks so you don't capture the benefit of the whole portfolio so actually if the, that infrastructure that you're talking about is there that allows you to analyze the risk in the context of the whole portfolio those i mean also that those type of book transfers would be much more successful so I think yeah but i mean look also i guess the the insurance industry is is well known for its siloed nature right and so that's also that cultural angle of of you know maybe we need fewer extreme experts on on certain minute areas and more generalists who are able to think cross line have a little bit of imagination in terms of what could happen um and and not only focus on i will only do exactly this so mm. yeah okay that's fascinating Okay, so that that is that is the first area that you describe mm. this new perspective mm. on risk. I think you touch on the second one about new skills. Yes, again, if if we think about three different angles here, so I think for me the first one is moving from a reality today where many underwriters, if not most, a little bit depending on where you are have very limited data skills um, and, and especially if we're talking about data engineering or data science, um, let alone data analysis. And I think we we will slowly but surely move into a future where, no, you don't need to be an expert, you know, you don't need to be a full time coder. But I think some angle, some element of understanding data engineering or data science will be an inherent part of being an underwriter or at least being able to work with people who who are data engineers or data scientists and kind of understanding each other and and appreciating what they do as opposed to kind of looking at them as a as a completely different tribe 
Um, and, and I guess in, in that respect, also a, a second angle that I've thought a lot about is, you know, moving from from today, where I think many or many times data is seen a bit as a nuisance. So, for instance, as an underwriter, when you do your costing, quite often I think it happens that, oh, God, do I have to fill in another field and another field? And I think many people have developed little tips and tricks for kind of how to escape the system or circumnavigate the system in order to be able to press save. And they don't really fathom that actually what they input is massively valuable further down the value chain because that's how we understand what business we've truly signed up for. Um, so, so I think having that skill of also understanding the value of data. And I think my, my third angle is indeed a, a mirror image of understanding technology. So moving from, from a reality today where I think very often technology is, is seen a little bit as a threat, either, oh, God, it's going to make my everyday a lot more complicated or, gosh, it might actually threaten my, my job to thinking of technology as a friend, not always an easy friend, but a friend to make the daily life easier. Um, and, and having a skill of thinking, okay, so how could I apply this technology to help me do my business faster or better or more accurately or whatever you will? The way you describe the challenge of underwriters not willing to input the data, Right, mm. it, it's quite a painful exercise. Yeah. In complex risks, it can take hours just to input um, all the data, and and therefore it hindering the ability to do proper data analysis. And mm. that is something, again, using an analogy, that is something that you've seen in many other industries with the failure of CRM deployments. Right mm. at the end, CRM is all about helping salespeople be more effective at selling, but most implementations fail because it's actually really complex. It's quite time intensive to input all the information to the CRM. So I think if, if if you look at why some of some of those CRM implementations that have succeeded are those where the data entry element has been streamlined, right? And made, made automatic. And I think that is the same we need to think in insurance is how do you deploy the right infrastructure and technology to reduce the burden of data input and focus the underwriters much more on the data analysis side, I think, as as you were describing. And I think that, is, that makes absolute sense. And then do you think this is going to be a natural, the evolution of the skills? Do you see this as more training required for underwriters? Or do you think just as years go by, we will just get a new profile of underwriters that are more data analytics minded? Look, I, I don't, I'm not sure how much training per se it can do. I think it's about incentives, firstly, mm. you know, to help underwriters understand that, in fact, they are the heroes of the company in, in their hands lies the ability to pinpoint what is good business and what is bad. Um, but for that, we, we do need a little bit of their time and that can be rewarded in different ways. Um, but actually, I, I here I put even more faith, I would say, in technology, because I think today you can, as you've said, 
design processes so that you cannot move on to the next phase before you have inputted certain critical elements. So I think that's one angle, but then in parallel, automatically incorporate any information that sort of would be readily available through automated means to just spare that burden from, from the underwriter. But look, I mean, I, I can see the beginnings of that happening, um, but yeah, it's we're, in, we're far from perfect. And I think it's it's definitely a journey. And hopefully over time, as you can feed some of that information back to underwriters and kind of say, hey, look, because you made this extra effort, we've actually been able to determine that deal A and B were far better than C and D. Good job, do more of A and B. Then I think it will it will start making sense. So it, it's I guess you're saying it's all about showing the value yeah. of data and creating the right incentives, which yeah. I think makes total sense. Okay, so we've talked, we've spoken about this second area, which is new skills. I think you mentioned the third area was about uh, data. Is that right? Yeah, and how to deal with information. And look, I mean, all these things kind of go hand in hand. So it's hard to say where one stops and the other starts. But I think when I when I think about underwriting and and how you deal with information, so. I mean, today I see a reality where a lot of underwriting is backward looking. So you look at the past and try to defer what what the future looks like, which, you know, isn't bad. I mean, that's obviously it's worked for a while. But I think going forward, um, we can face a future which bases itself on backward looking work, but also on future projections and getting better at trying to figure out or at least having a view of what the future will look like. And therefore also, you know, being a little bit more dynamic when it comes to to adaptation, because I mean, obviously, nobody will be a great car driver by driving and looking in the rearview mirror as your only outlook, right? So it's just about turning that perspective around. Um, I think another angle of, of dealing with data is that, you know, to date, I think for most underwriters, only the numbers have mattered. It's been a very numerical profession, although a big chunk of underwriting is also about the words that go into the contracts that is in fact the product that we sell as insurance companies. And so I think we will go from this reality today where only numbers matter to actually words mattering too. And I think they always have, but I think because it's been so clunky and so difficult to really figure out what what did we sign up for in this contract that we issued. Um, I think a future where contracts are digitalized, you can catalog the clauses you put in there, you can do much more search and find. I think the word um, or verbal angle of the underwriter uh, job will also be um, be much bigger and it will be a bigger part of how you deal with information. And then the last angle that I see sort of a lot of talk about and, and a lot of blood, sweat and tears over is 
you know, moving from today's situation where, in essence, underwriting is done on proprietary information um, to a future where proprietary information is complemented with various forms of third-party information, not to replace proprietary information, but to enrich the risk view um, and, and just making it a, a richer view of the risk and hopefully a better understanding of the risk and thereby a, a more targeted pricing and, and a better loss experience in the best of all worlds. Yeah, and this this area of third party data is something that we or I spend quite a lot of time uh, with insurers on, and sometimes it's it feels like it's like something new in the industry. But actually, if you sit down next to an underwriter, they will. I mean, the first thing they'll do obviously is read the broker submission. The next thing they'll do is go to fifteen different websites from Google Maps to take a look at the properties, mm -hmm. all the way to get. JBA flood data all the way to analyze even like Google reviews on a given business, right? So those inputs are already part of existing workflows. I think they are just not structured. The information captured visually by the underwriter is then not captured as part of the risk data, but that that's already happening. So it's all about how do you formally incorporate all that third party data into the definition of the risk? that is then hold. And I would also say, you know, how how do we make life easier for our underwriters? Because like you rightly point out, today this is a job of massively scrambling between different websites and, and copying and pasting stuff into Excel spreadsheets and so on. And you just think like in this day and age, there must be a better way. And, and I'm sure somebody else could be better placed to gather all of that and funnel it to the underwriter instead of forcing the underwriter to kind of do that very basic groundwork themselves, right? So I think it's about being yeah. a little bit nicer to them as well and helping them on the way. It's about helping helping them by automatically providing them data that data, but mm -hmm. also about capturing that data as part of the data you hold about a risk in your policy admin system, right? So then yeah. you can do analytics on that data too. Yeah. So I think and maybe sometimes even you know challenging an established view of what is the most relevant third party data, because we all know there's something called bias in this world and in, in human beings. And you know how how do you make sure that at every given point in time we review the most relevant information sources and not just what you've always been doing because that's exactly. what you're comfortable with. It's a this discovery of new data sources that correlate with loss behavior, for example, right? And I think yeah, uh, yeah makes a lot of sense. Okay, we don't have much more time, but let's let's touch on the last area. You talked about this new sense of purpose. Tell me a bit yeah. more about it. Yeah, look, it's it's. Um, I think it's an amalgamation of what we've talked about previously, but again, a couple of angles. I think coming from an industry today which isn't known for product innovation, um, really. Um, yes, there are some newcomers who do that, but I would say the incumbent industry does very little. Um, and I think there's a great chance that actually we can 
become so much better and help close some of that now infamous insurance gap or protection gap which exists in the world by simply understanding risks better. Um, I think in hand in hand with that goes, you know, moving from a reality where underwriters, as we've just said, have an enormous amount of routine tasks, which actually they shouldn't have to do in this day and age, to a future where most of those routine tasks are automated, uh, if not all, but at least a fair chunk. And, and thirdly, um, coming from this, what we talked about, the siloed world, where I think today a lot of underwriters kind of work in this sense of it's me, myself and I, it's me with my judgment based on my proprietary information and I make the decisions to a future where I think we're a little bit more collaborative and we kind of copy with pride, you know, data sets, insights, and we don't feel like we have to reinvent the wheel every time for ourselves. Um, that's where I would hope at least that some new purpose um, comes from. Listening to you, how you're describing it, it should feel very inspirational to underwriters, right? It's about removing all those tedious activities, as you said, that really drive a lot, a lot of a kind of frustration in underwriters and just opening capacity and time for them to be talking to brokers, to be analyzing risks, which is which are the more fulfilling activities underwriters would like to spend more time on. Yeah. And I mean, look, I, I think usually at this point, some underwriters ask me like, okay, so there's no, there's no more place for the human being in, in underwriting. That's what you're telling me. And and actually for me, it's it's exactly the opposite. There will always be a lot of space for human judgment and for human relations and for human experience. I think for me, it's more about really targeting it to where it truly matters the most. And hopefully that should also be what gives underwriters the greatest job satisfaction. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Sylvie, it's been an absolute pleasure talking about Hi. this topic. It sounds like we are both quite passionate about the future of underwriting and, and how kind of the role of the underwriter will evolve over time. So thank you so much for joining. Pleasure. It was a pleasure, Juan. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Sylvie. And to everybody listening, we'll see you at the next episode of Making Risk Flow. Mm -hmm.